Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And the broadcast that you'll hear today originally aired on our program Front Porch Talks on July 5th, 2020, and we believe it'll be a half hour of hope for your life. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today, and uh, today we're joined by Stephanie Signorino. Steph, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. And Steph attends our church here at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene, and she's here to share her testimony with us today. Steph, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. I was born and raised in Elkton, Virginia, and I have lived there my entire life, uh, except for approximately two years in Charlottesville. Came back to raise my kids in Elkton and have been here ever since. So, Steph, you grew up in Elkton. Um, Obviously, you have family that you grew up with. Could you tell us a little bit about your family? Yes, I have um, two grown children. I have three stepchildren. Um, my parents live in Elkton, and um, I have a brother and a sister. And all of us are within two to three hours driving distance, so we're very close. Yeah. So you grew up there in Elkton as, obviously, at some point in your life, you came to the Lord. But just to start out kind of on your faith journey, growing up, what was the practice of church for your family? Yeah, fortunately, my parents took me to church every Sunday. Um, Even if we went to stay the night with a friend, we knew that Dad was going to pick us up at 8.30 so that we (laughs) could go to church. And um, if we had friends stay over, they knew that they had to go to church on Sunday morning. And so I was raised in that Christian home um, all through my life, kind of walked away from it, senior year of high school, um, first, second year of college, and probably didn't really get back into practicing what I considered my faith until Brianna was about four or five years old. Yeah. So you grew up going to church does anyone specifically stand out in your mind, like Sunday school teacher, someone that really invested? Well, actually, my dad was my Sunday school teacher, <laughs> so that was kind of tough. Um, it was kind of tough, but he definitely invested um, in all of us. And um, I do remember a specific vacation Bible school where um, I was very young. I don't know how old I was, but I was very young, and I remember um, just listening to the Bible stories and something clicked that these weren't just stories, that Mm -hmm. they were real. And I saw um, Jesus sitting on this rock and his hand out to me, which I'm sure was a picture that I had seen somewhere, Mm -hmm. but it was finally real to me at that Mm -hmm. point that he wanted me to come to him and, you know, that everything in the Bible was real. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a powerful picture. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking of him sitting there saying to the disciples, let the little children come Mm -hmm. unto me. That's right. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, and that's the picture I have in my head of probably the first time that I really knew that he was real. Wow. 
And uh, any other memories or things that stick out to you in your growing up years that really, looking back, had an impact? Obviously, going to church every Sunday and the Bible stories, as you mentioned, like you said, you realize, and that's really profound, that spoke out to me, that they're not just stories, they actually happen. These are things that actually happen. They're real-life stories. So anything else like that that has an impact on you uh, in your faith journey um, that you can look back on? Yeah, there was another instance um, when I was probably somewhere between 10 and 12. I remember waking up one night and just being scared to death because I could not move my legs. I was in severe pain, and I just remember screaming for my mom and dad, and dad came running down the hall, came in my bedroom, and started praying over me um, immediately and just declaring the blood of Jesus over me, and instantly I was able to move my legs and stuff again. Never had that happen to me after that point, but that was one time that I really knew that um, God saw me, God heard um, mm. my prayers, and my dad's prayers, and that he could take things like that instantly and take them away. Mm. So I felt like he really saw me that day. Yeah, he let you know early on that he knew who you were and where you are. That's right. That's powerful. I'm sure there's times in your life, as we'll continue to go through your story, but I'm sure there's times in your life that those things rang true because this morning you're remembering those. Mm-hmm. So you walked, you know, um, so many of us grow up in our parents' faith. Uh, we um, hold on to the coattails, or sometimes we are made to hold on to the coattails of our parents' faith and go to church every Sunday. And um, I'm grateful for that because we build a foundation of faith right. when, we, when our parents are faithful in, in that. Um, God is faithful no matter what, but it's it really helps when you're out in the world and you've walked away from the Lord if you have that foundation of faith, you have something to hold on to, to come back to very almost, you, it could be an immediate response because you know that you have that foundation of faith. It's just a turn right towards God. So mm-hmm. do you want to tell us a little bit about that when you had Brianna? And- right. So I had Brianna and um, then I had Dakota and um, I wanted to raise them in a Christian home, a Christian environment. So I started going back to church. Um, on a regular basis, and it probably wasn't till um, I started going through my divorce with Dakota's father that I really latched back on to God. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had the foundation, like you said, so I knew where to turn. I just did it finally again at that point. And um, in all reality, it's probably been the storms um, of my life mm-hmm. that have caused me to latch back on so tightly. I had a diagnosis of a cyst in my spinal cord in 2000, and I was, at that time, I had graduated um, JMU with my chemistry degree with two children, which was very difficult, and um, had the job that I thought I really, really wanted. Mm -hmm. And then I started having neurological problems, and they found out that I had a cyst um, in my spinal cord, and that The career path that I had chosen, I found out I was not going to be able to do anymore because of the neurotoxic chemicals. And so, you know, I'd spent six long years getting this degree with two kids and then to find out that, you know, I'm not going to be able to have this job. The income from Merck was wonderful. So I knew that my um, income was going to decrease. And at this time, I was a single mom. 
And um, I just really had to come to terms with the fact that God was going to meet all my needs. Mm-hmm. And, and I did. I finally came to terms with that, um, got remarried, and then 11 years later went through another divorce. And all during this time, I was um, trying to raise my kids in a Christian home, Christian environment. And it was during that time when they were teenagers that they were somewhat unpleased with the church that we were going to, didn't have an active um, youth ministry. And so we went church shopping for about two months. And that's when we landed here. And the kids just absolutely loved it. First Sunday, said they wanted to come back. I loved it. Um, So we kept coming back. And that's really um, when my journey really just started to blossom and grow. I had um, I had been active in the other church that I was attending, but the deep relationship um, was just beginning to take off, yeah. I would say. And so when I decided to have the surgery with my spinal cord, God just met me in a really profound way because one neurosurgeon that I spoke to at UVA said that Um, He would not touch me because the surgery was too risky and that I was going to be paralyzed in five months anyway. But he wanted me to have those five months. (laughs) Um, So basically, I went and got a second opinion because I wasn't willing to accept that and um, found another neurosurgeon at MCV. And um, he did agree with the first neurosurgeon that I would be paralyzed within five months if I did nothing, but that he was willing to take the chance of operating on me and could guarantee me that he would paralyze me from my chest down. Mm. And I said, what do you mean you'll guarantee me that you will paralyze me from my chest down? (laughs) He said, well, I can guarantee that you'll have function of your arms. And I said, okay. You know, it was a a lot to take in. (laughs) And I said, what are the chances of me not being paralyzed at all? And he said, well, realistically, no more than 25%. And so he had me come back to see him with my entire family, my kids, my parents, um, anybody who would be taking care of me um, after the surgery, whether I'd be paralyzed or not, to make a family decision. So we decided to go ahead and um, go through with the surgery. And during those weeks um, prior to surgery, the day before, Um, God just really let me be a testimony to um, the surgeon, his entire teaching staff, all the residents and students, um, even the anesthesiologist. uh, They couldn't believe that I actually understood what the risks were involved in the surgery because they had never seen someone who wasn't hysterical, who wasn't just really scared to death that they were either going to die or be paralyzed. And so when the anesthesiologist called me the night before um, to see, you know, if everything was okay and I was coming in the next morning, I talked to him. I talked to him about the piece that I had. And he actually called my neurosurgeon and said, I don't don't think she understands really what the risks are tomorrow. I'm not sure that we should operate on her because I'm not sure that she's basically a sound mind. And so my neurosurgeon called me then about 10 o'clock that night before I was supposed to be at MCV at like 6 a.m., and just wanted to confirm, talk to me, and make sure I really understood. And so I got to share with him about my faith and that God had given me this peace that I had never experienced it before, um, but it was the peace that transcends all understanding, and I knew what it was and um, that I was fine. 
You know, whatever happened, happened. Now, God didn't tell me that I wasn't going to be paralyzed. He didn't tell me I wasn't going to die. But he did say, I'll take care of you no matter what. And so, you know, it was hard. My kids were five and seven. And I had just recently married. And so it was very difficult for me to accept this in my life. But there was no way of not accepting it. And so I just really... um, beg God to um, take care of them. I wrote them a goodbye letter, um, which was very difficult, but I really didn't know what, you know, if I would have speech, if I would make it through the surgery or anything. And so when I came out of surgery in the recovery room, my neurosurgeon had me move my fingers and I was able to move my fingers. So he was excited about that. But then he asked me to move my toes and it really took all the concentration that I had to move one toe. And he was a very small statured man and he actually started jumping up and down in the recovery room that I could move my toe. And that's when it really hit me. You know, I still had God's peace, but the realization that he really thought I was gonna be paralyzed from my chest down. Mm -hmm. And so um, just that whole time, God just showed himself in mighty, mighty ways. Mm -hmm. And Fast forward 20 years, that was in 2000, so 20 years now, I can walk, I have full function of my body. There was a long process of recovery for about a a year and a half, but praise God, I'm here and able to do things and serve Him and do what He's called me to do. Wow. So you've had some pretty big moments in your life where you've had to trust God. We all do. You've had some Mm -hmm. pretty big ones. Any others that you want to share? Yeah, some of them um, have just been fairly recent, two and a half years ago. Um, Like I said, I had been married and divorced twice, made lots of bad choices in my life, and finally married a Christian man who just loved the Lord and felt like things were going very well. Um, He had healed both of us from a lot of baggage and was continuing to heal us and bring us together closer as a couple. And we were talking one day, um, two years ago in January, and my husband dropped dead. And it was devastating. And we had been called into ministry together. Um, We knew that we had taken a trip to New York um, together to go to um, Bill Wilson's ministry. And I knew God had placed a call in my life to do that. And I knew that God was calling Nick to do that too, but I knew I couldn't convince Nick of that, (laughs) that God was going to have to convince him. And so we went. He was excited to go because we saw his family and stuff in New Jersey. And as soon as we got in the car to come home, he's like, I totally get it now. And I I am 100% with you, and we're going to do this. And so when he passed away... I really questioned God of why would you put this call in our life and then take him? And I mean, I know that Nick's in heaven. I know I'll see him again. I don't have any doubt of that, um, which gives me tremendous amount of peace. But I I didn't know if that was still going to be the call in my life. And so I asked God and he he profoundly said, yes, um, no question. And um, so I've just begun to process that and start making steps toward that. I've been in children's ministry here um, at Church of the Nazarene for 14 years, teaching the four and five-year-olds. 
And I love that. I mean, absolutely love it. Love that age group. But I know that there's more. I know that there's more for me to do. And, you know, when Nick passed away, I definitely had to put that on the back burner just because you have to deal with your grief. You can't pretend that it's not there. Um, you have to go through it. And fortunately, I was able to get in two grief share classes, one at our church and one at another church. And I definitely needed both of them. Might need another one, <laughs> but definitely needed both of those. But they helped me tremendously in seeing that grief is a process and it's something that you have to actively walk through. It's not something that just happens. You have to work at it and you have to do the things that you need to do to move along, not to move on but to literally put one step in front of the other to move forward. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was given the tools to be able to do that. Um, it definitely wasn't an easy process. As you can tell, I mean, I'm just beginning to be able to be at the stage where I can talk about it without bursting into tears. But God's done some amazing things during that time. I mean, he has definitely uh, let me know that he's all I need and... Anything else is just extra good stuff, but he's everything I need. And he's been there 100%. There's been times, you know, right after Nick's death, I couldn't feel the presence of God. And since my spinal cord surgery in 2000, it was the first time that I had not been able to feel the presence of God. And it scared me. I mean, it really scared me. Um, but in the Grief Share class, I realized um, and learned that when you are grieving so deeply, it's impossible to feel his presence. And that just really made me feel a lot better <laughs> because I knew, I mean, I knew in my head that God had never left me. I knew that, but I finally really accepted that he was still there. It didn't matter if I could feel him or not. I knew he was still there. I knew that he was not going to leave me. He says that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so I just really went back to my um, life verse of First Peter 5, 7, casting all my cares upon him and letting him know how much I missed his presence and the burden that I felt every day um, with the grief of not being able to feel him. And so it was probably a couple months um, before I started to be able to feel his presence again and feel him speaking to me. But I've never doubted that he was really there. I mean, I knew that. And that's one thing I really want to encourage people with. If you build that foundation and you have that foundation to go back to and you know the promises of God, no matter what happens to you, you can withstand it with God because he's not going to leave you. Right. And so, you know, I just really deepened my relationship with him during all these different trials that I have gone through. And um, nothing has ever been as hard as this journey um, with Nick passing, but I do know that I can persevere with God. I know that there's um, really light at the end of the tunnel because I'm seeing that now. And, you know, it's just amazing what level of grief you can be in and how God can bring you out of that. And, you know, I just kind of see it as him kind of pulling me out of a deep well. That's the vision that I get when I think about what God's done for me over the two, last two years. And it's not something where he just like jerked you up, you know, it's, it's a process, but he's steadily bringing you out of it. Yeah. Right. I remember that day at RMH and, um, to see where you were that day of Nick's passing to where you are today is a miracle of God. It is. 
Definitely. That you can sit here and talk about this and have joy for your future. Mm -hmm. Not that you've just grieved and had that process, but you have joy. Peace that passes all understanding has obviously come back in um, to your life. And I just, one scripture that comes to my mind when Moses asked God to see him face to face and God told him he couldn't have that. He couldn't see him face to face, but after he passed by that he could see him from behind. And it just reminds me, we look back and you may not have felt the presence of God, but I think God was, you weren't at a distance from him. He had you in the palm of his hand. Like he was the footprints in the sand type. That's right. You know, he had you in those moments so overwhelmingly close that you couldn't see him. Right. But it's only when we get through those hard times and we look back and go, wait a minute, God was there. Absolutely. He was very much right. there. So mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah, he wow. was He was definitely there. And I, one other thing I wanted to share was that, you know, the call that God put on my life, it's coming to fruition. You know, I've been teaching Tiny Town for 14 years. And how um, old are Tiny Town children? Four and five. For those listening? Four and five <laughs> years old. And I absolutely love it. Um, I enjoy it. They're such a blessing. But I, with the new um, campus that's going to be opening in February of next year mm -hmm. in East Rockingham, I have accepted the Director of Children's Hi. Ministry there. And so I'm super excited about that. I really feel like God is just opening doors. Um, I was offered a job in Elkton where I was working at JMU before. So I was offered a job in Elkton where I can literally um, work my own hours. And um, he's just providing a way, step-by-step, step, of mm. things to uh, foster this call on my life, working yeah. with the kids. That's so exciting. Well, Steph, thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, thank you for being vulnerable, just sharing all the many storms and many things that the Lord has brought you through. A ton of good advice that you've given, especially uh, dealing with Nick's passing, talking about dealing with your grief. You know, admitting that it's there, not just shoving it aside, but really dealing with it. And then also as children of God and as Christ followers, just holding on to his promises and knowing that, like you said, with him, we can go through anything. Through his power, he will help us get through whatever it is in life that we go through. And also thank you for sharing about the call that he put on your life and how that's coming to fruition, and we certainly uh, continue to pray that he guides and directs and in those steps and for the East Rock campus and those that are involved in that. And uh, so, Steph, if you would like to share uh, more about what he's doing in your life right now and just how he's continuing to work, just any other maybe advice that you'd like. You've already given some advice, but other advice that you'd like to give to people that are going through a hard time or have been through storms or lost loved ones, things like that that you've shared? Yes, I think all of the storms that we have are opportunities to grow closer to God. And, you know, when you're in a storm, it's hard to see that, obviously. And when you get out of it, you begin to see that, um, like Pastor Margaret said, God is there all the time. He doesn't leave you. And you begin to appreciate um, the fact that, you have storms. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but you do appreciate that because it brings you closer to God if you allow it. And so, you know, I would really encourage people, 
everyone's going to face storms. Um, if you're not in one, everybody says, you know, and it, it is true. If you're not in one, you're going into one or you're um, getting ready to come out of one. Um, but you are going to experience them. And so, you know, I just really encourage people to seek God's face and have that foundation of his promises. Know what they are so that when you literally, I mean, I couldn't read the Bible for about three months after Nick passed away. I just could not bring myself to do it. And I really don't know what it was. I had days of anger, but it wasn't about anger. I just couldn't do it. And I also found out that that was normal, which kind of amazed me. But you have so much grief, all you can do is grieve. And it's like you can't do anything else at that moment. And so be in the moment, whatever you're facing, if it is grief, if it's... um you know, a physical ailment. Be in the moment and know that God is with you. God had given me a word 12 years ago <laughs> um, that was prepare. And I didn't really know what that word meant, but he wouldn't let it go. Year after year, I would say, God, give me a new word. I'm tired of this prepare. But it was constant, just prepare. And it was just that one word. And I thought it was preparing for children's ministry because I knew that that's what God had called me to do even back then. But then after Nick passed, I think it really was prepare for anything that life brings your way. And I think it took me that long. I'm a little stubborn, <laughs> a lot stubborn, my parents would say. Um, but it took me that long to really get into a deep relationship with Christ where he is my foundation. And I know that that is unshakable. And just this past year, it's been about a year and a half now, after Nick's passing, um, that God gave me a new word after 12 years, and that new word was go. Mm. And then about eight months after that, I found out that Pastor Adrian's word for the year was go. And it was just confirmation that, you know, I had done the legwork. I had done um, what God had called me to do in preparing. Um, didn't really know what that meant. Um, but you just do it. You just do it the best that you know how. And um, now he's telling me to go, so I'm going. That's good. Going back to your grief, something keeps coming to my mind. And when I learned this, it hasn't been that long ago that I learned it. Um, I just think it's profound that grief is love with no place to go. Hmm. And I think that's powerful that you have this love for someone and you don't have anywhere you know, that person is not there to receive that. And it's just a powerful, it was a powerful truth for me to understand that part of grief. And, and then the other piece on grief is it's almost like, you know, when you're grieving and there comes this wave of grief. Yes. And like I tell people when I went to the beach as a 19-year-old, never been to the beach, and um, look at the beach and it's the water and it's beautiful I turn around to look at the beach and about that time I'm not flat and my knees are scun and I'm sliding up on the shore I don't know what happened to me and a wave hit me knocked me flat right and that's grief mm -hmm. you don't know where it's going to come from you don't know what's going to trigger it but you have to let it come right, right. and um, I've learned that in losses I've had mm -hmm. in the past few years especially well you definitely can't run from the wave <laughs> so true. Um, even if you run, another one's going to knock you down. So you might as well let the first one knock you down. And I really thought of it more as a um, tidal wave mm -hmm. <laughs> in my life. It wasn't, you know, a knock down and get back up. It was a knock down and you stay down for mm -hmm. a pretty yeah. long time. And, but eventually you do 
get back to the surface and you get knocked down again, but you yeah. keep getting back up. Yeah, and it's almost like God protects us in our grief that we don't feel that way all the time. Right. Like, it's almost like he pulls a curtain back and allows us to see the reality of our life, but his grace shuts that curtain. Again, we still know it's on the other side of the curtain, but it's not so in our face, but he does that. And it feels like that's when those waves come and he allows us to see the reality of our life and then the curtain closes a little bit or the wave subsides. Right. But it's a process we have to get to a place where we realize this is our reality. Right. But there is a numbing that comes from him that keeps us alive in those days. Right. Absolutely. Such deep grief. Yeah. I completely right. agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Steph, thank you for joining us today and thank you for sharing your testimony with us and for being vulnerable. Just anything else in closing that you would like to share with us um, that you haven't mentioned already or any other, uh, you've shared a lot of encouragement, but any other words of encouragement, either of those two things that you would like to share? I would just like to reiterate that um, God is the good news. If you're looking for good news in your life, He is the good news. And I really appreciate you all giving me the opportunity to share my testimony and my story. It's not super pretty, but it's my testimony. Yeah, and it's his story through your life. Right. That's you right. Know, he, right. We're woven in a beautiful tapestry, and um, I just want to celebrate you for getting up every time that right. you were knocked down. And I've right. watched you be knocked down a lot and stuff. Right. And just celebrate you and now in this new venture That's with right. East Rock. And right. for such a time as this, God has prepared right. you to go. Mm-hmm. And um, we celebrate with you today. Thank you. Yeah. Stephanie, thank you uh, for joining us on Front Porch Talks. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that uh, Steph Signorino's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life and also good news. May God bless. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.